Welcome to Infertility and Me Podcast, a show that amplifies diverse stories about the struggles of infertility and fertility in a safe space. Our goal is to normalize fertility stories that validate, give hope, and create a community where no one is left silently suffering. Welcome, 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 friends, to Infertility and Me Podcast. My name is Monique. IVF mom to one, wife, women's health advocate, and as you can tell, a digital daggone creator, y'all. If it's your first time here, welcome to the shit show that is infertility. I'm so glad that you're here, but I also hate it at the same time because you must be dealing with some type of family building struggle to conceive, to adopt, walk away childless, any of those sorts of things. And so I'm glad that you're here getting the support, the validation, the education and community that you need on today. So thank you, family and friends for being here. I appreciate you and I hope that you are well. I hope that you are safe. And if you're not in good spirits today, hopefully by the time this episode ends, you will get exactly what you need, the healing and the hope that you came for. Today, y'all, we're talking about how infertility makes us feel in freaking visible. I started thinking about the invisibility of infertility because, as you guys may know, if you follow on socials especially and or have gone back in the catalog of the podcast and listened to previous episodes, my IVF miracle baby is six and a half now. He will be seven in January of 2024. And as he gets older, progresses in life, and he's going to first grade this fall, I often think about how we will tell him how he was conceived. And then also um, when I'm out and about with him, whether by myself or with us as a family, the three of us, I often see other people with their children and or pregnant persons. And I often wonder what their story was like to get to where they are. And I think what happened, especially this summer with really fully being outside, we traveled a little bit last year looking for a new home to relocate in a new state and such like that. But this year we've really focused on just, um, spending time together as a family and connecting away from socials, technology, those sorts of things. And it's just being in each other's presence and such. And so when I see other families out or people say things to me every now and again, somebody will say, well, I know you're going to give him a sibling or it's almost about that time mom, for a sibling for a little sis or a little bro. And he, one of his good, good friends from school, Um, that he connected with really, really well over the last year and a half, well, year. And um, he has a little brother, an infant baby brother, who will be one at the beginning of 2024, around like March or February. And so it's so funny because people have all these stories about getting pregnant and having multiple children. And I often feel like even now, my story is still invisible in some ways. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you too have been through it or you know someone who has been through it. And they may have often used the word invisible 
or they may have used the phrase silently suffering, which is a term that we use here a lot, which is what which is what the mission statement of the podcast was originally when it started in 2019 was um, just being a voice to the silent sufferers of infertility and family building. And so it was just this really strange moment I had a few weeks ago when we were at the beach and I was like, I, I think I still kind of feel like my infertility is invisible. And I think because Omar has progressed so well and he's so intelligent and he was a micro preemie, he overcame so much to be here and to have his place in the world and just to watch him be this little human extension of myself and my husband, Omar Sr., and I sort of kind of feel like sometimes my infertility is invisible because unless I tell someone, no one would know that we went through all of that to conceive him and that he fought for his life uh, in, in the NICU and spent 129 days there. And I realized that there was still some work to be done. <laughs> As much of life is, there's we're we're continually on this path to healing. And not only are we healing from issues that have nothing to do with infertility, but then we have infertility on top of that, or having to walk away childless, or to be a same-sex couple trying to navigate family building, and maybe it's not going so well, or maybe you found that that you or your partner have an issue that you otherwise would not have known, right? And I'm like, daggone, is it that I need the validation of life after infertility? Or is it just that this part of infertility being this invisible disease seemingly, or is for many of us, because you can't tell by looking at someone if they're suffering from infertility, right? And I think it's all of that. And I think the healing that I still have to do in that regard, in that realization of that healing that still needs to be done, really kind of took me for a loop and threw me back. And I was like, this is some BS. There is no freaking way he being almost six and a half, seven years old, I'm still unpacking and unmasking and unraveling these parts of this infertility story. And I can't, and well, some someone who may not have gone through this or, or in the midst of this will say, well, maybe it's because the work you do as an advocate that brings up all these feelings and triggers for you. And I really can't say that it's that because these are moments outside of the community where I'm having these realizations and where I thought I had healed. It wasn't quite there yet. And I guess because I spent so many years being quiet about infertility. Again, if you haven't listened to previous uh, episodes in the catalog, especially the very beginning where I speak about my own story, I stay silent about having the diagnosis of infertility for over four years before telling anyone um, other than my mother and my father. And so I don't know, maybe there's still some part of me that's looking for validation and I know now that the realization I had about infertility being this invisible disease, this invisible pain, infertility is an invisible pain and a disease that um, just, just, well, we know that it takes over every part of our lives. And so that's what I wanted to talk about today. And I wanted to preface this episode with my story 
um, of, as of current because I wanted to record and just hear it out loud for the first time, right? And I didn't say all that or tell you guys that story to just take the attention off of you and what you're going through, but just to let you know that this shit is nuanced and it's layered and there's so much to unpack. And honestly, because I'm not seeing a therapist, you know, I'm doing all this on my own with the tools and the resources that I've learned from therapists and counselors in the past and such. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe I do need to go see a therapist um, to maybe unpack some more of these feelings that I have surrounding infertility and then not having um, a second child letting that part go of saying goodbye to possible siblings, especially now I'll be 40 in October. If you're listening after October, I'm already 40. So I just feel like I don't want to put my body through that again. I don't want to put my family through that. My husband would love it. Omar Sr. would love it if I would like, let's go to the clinic. Let's go see what we can do. Let's go see how we can make this happen and, um, and, and, and create another life, another extension of ourselves. But for me personally, I don't feel like it's in my best interest to do so. And so, of course, that was disappointing for him. And again, everything that we go through as far as infertility is concerned, unless we vocalize it, unless we are having conversation with people, whether that's friends, loved ones, or people in the community online, it is essentially an invisible disease and pain that we're dealing with. And I just want to let you know that I see you, friend. And I hear you and I can read between the lines in the text of the posts that you write online. And I know that there are many days where you feel like regardless of how many people you've connected with online or haven't, maybe that's not your thing. There's a lot of people who don't find online communities very useful and that's all right. But I'm like, you know, right now that I see you, I hear you, I feel you and I understand exactly where you are. And so I think one of the things that makes infertility feel invisible is because, again, like I said, there's no physical symptoms unless you have scars that we get from the shots, from endometriosis, from fibroid surgeries, laparoscopies, all kind of Uh, procedures that you or I and others in the community have had and especially in previous episodes where they come on and talk about their previous uh, surgeries and procedures to essentially put their body in a better position to create new life etc right so unless we have those scars but those are still not visible to the world right because it's not like most of us are going out there wearing a bikini and letting hey guys my scars are here scars are here scars are there you know we're not vocalizing it like that and women We already feel so much pressure about our bodies. We're definitely not going out showing everybody our freaking scars from all the surgeries we've had. Right. I got a couple, too, you know. And so I think that's the first thing is that because there is no physical outward evidence that we have this disease or diseases if we have other conditions to go along with it. And then some of us are battling mental health disorders and conditions uh, on top of infertility that, too, also feel like it's an invisible pain and it's an invisible disease. 
And then the stigmas and the shame around infertility and the taboo nature of speaking about issues with fertility and family building, um, and especially those of us in the LGBTQIA plus community trying to family build and we may find out we have conditions and or not. And it's just a struggle trying to get to the next phase of what we perceive our uh, journey should be or the way it should go in the direction it should go. Uh, with the help of our reproductive endocrinologists and such. And so the stigma around it really makes us feel further and further away from validation community and the things that we need to help us get through this time in our lives. And unfortunately, although there are so many people speaking about it now online compared to when I even started the podcast four years ago, there's still a lack of awareness surrounding it. And I appreciate that social media is an open source platform where we can share these struggles and connect and to teach and to educate those who may not be aware of it. Unfortunately, there's still a ton of work to be done and it's not going to happen overnight. And as we've seen, it's not happening overnight. And now us as natural born women are fighting for our rights over our bodily autonomy and what that will look like in the future. And there's just so much fear and judgment and misrepresentation surrounding fertility, family building, and its relation to gender and all sorts of other things and how politics plays a part in our family building efforts, I should say. And then, of course, the emotional side of infertility, number three, would be my third point, is that the emotional end of infertility is so very debilitating for one, but um, it's deeply, deeply rooted in sadness, grief, frustration, disappointment, overwhelm, all of these hidden things that we go through in our daily lives, even outside of fertility struggles. And especially for those who have struggled with mental health issues and or uh, disorders that like ADHD that may affect our mental health and how we perceive ourselves. So we come into family building with these other things that have yet to be fully healed from and that we're still working through. Or maybe we didn't even start working through it until we got diagnosed with infertility, because then that was the first time we ever saw a counselor therapist etc. Right. And so we come into fertility, I think, with an, uh, 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 an immense amount of hope. And especially since there's money being invested into it, thinking that it won't be as hard as it is. And when we find out just how hard this issue really is, regardless of whatever that path to parenthood looks like, adoption, surrogacy, donations of sperm and eggs, etc. When we find out how hard this ish really is, it just sends us into this deep, deep depression and sadness. And so the third point of it all and the invisibility of infertility is also the emotional struggle behind it, which we have to learn to navigate and learn to talk about it 
talk openly about with our spouses and loved ones and therapists and counselors and with community members and trying to go to work still, go to school, go to family functions, as we talked about in the last episode last week, and show up and put on a face that we weren't prepared for. And that's really the hardest part about all of it is that there is no preparation for what you go through when you're trying to family build and infertility is now your diagnosis. There's no preparation for this other than education. And unfortunately, that education piece is extremely difficult, especially for the younger millennials and the Gen Xers. Because they're trying to take so many things out of the school education system. I cannot believe that they would include more education around fertility anytime soon, unfortunately. And so there is just all of these variables coming straight at us from this way, from that way, from this way, from that way. And trying to navigate that with tools and resources that can be effective is draining. <laughs> it is draining AF, okay? Because how we're barely we're barely even making it as it is as adults and as a society, right? This especially patriarchal society that we live in, which makes things even more complicated. And so now we have this infertility diagnosis and or we've been on this path for a while and it just seems like there's no success in sight there's no end in sight to this thing and we're trying to take breaks but we don't want to take breaks because we don't want to miss an opportunity of a month being that one right this being that one month and so there's a lot of misunderstandings which brings me to my fourth point of there's a just a lot of misunderstanding and insensitivity as it pertains to fertility in the education of it all and for people who have never experienced it. A lot of people experience loss in past years. A lot of people have not experienced infertility. Now we know now with the new data and statistics that it went from being one in eight people struggling with infertility. Now it's one in six. It's becoming more and more prevalent that people are facing infertility, being diagnosed with it, working through it and That's one in every six people at the grocery store or in your neighborhood. And so when I was having this realization of infertility being this invisible pain that we deal with, I was like, well, I definitely can't judge anybody else's story or how they got to where they be. I can wonder about it. I can I can think about it. I can wonder about it. But, you know, that's one in six people in whatever space that we're in at the moment. And I think that. Even with all the information online, it is hard for people to to know how to treat you, to know how to talk to you, to know how to love and care for you when they don't fully understand something and how deep it really manifests itself in you. And we're not even talking about our parents for some of us that may be their baby boomers like my mom or even older like my dad who was born in the mid 40s and so to them the idea of there being uh, issues with people getting pregnant is outrageous 
My dad comes from a line of in total seven of them. And my grandmother told me years ago she experienced one miscarriage. My maternal side, four of them all together. And my grandmother told me as well on that side that she experienced one miscarriage. And so these large, large, large families that a lot of us come from have a really hard time wrapping around their mind that someone could not have sex and or didn't and, and didn't get pregnant and can't get pregnant. It's very difficult, especially in the black and Latino communities, Latinx communities and such. The taboos around that still. Then what happens? Number five, you become isolated. You feel more isolated and you feel more lonely and you feel left out and excluded from conversations that also contribute to a sense of invisibility. And then number six, which ties and segues real nice into it, is a lack of support is another reason infertility feels invisible. It's not, um, as I just stated, understood as easily or accepted within cultures and communities, certain cultures and communities. And it's unheard of. And it's people are usually flabbergasted, you know, that you can't have sex and get pregnant. And then it's even worse for our same sex couple friends who uh, biologically cannot create life together in the way that uh, a female or a male coming together could. And so there's another layer to that for those friends. And by the way, if you know anyone or you are part of the LGBTQIA community, and you would like to share your story on the show, email me, okay? I haven't had friends on on the show in a while. It's been some episodes since we've had someone from the LGBTQIA community share their story. But anywho, the seventh reason why we may be feeling like we're invisible in this infertility path is because of the comparison and jealousy game. <laughs> Remember when Karen the therapist, Dr. Karen the therapist was on the show? She talked about jealousy in that episode from a family, um, not a family, but a community member question on IG that I had posed before I recorded with her. And jealousy is huge. I still feel jealous for people who seemingly had it easier than I and they have multiple children, whether I know their story or not. I have a niece. She is getting ready to be 20 six or 27. Sorry, boo. I forgot. I, I lost count, but she is now pregnant. Her and her fiance with their second child. Another little boy is on the way. Baby Mason, my great, my second great nephew. And the first time she got pregnant during COVID, I cried when my sister told me, I think I told you guys this, that, that late, that, that year in December, that year, 2021, but I cried. And it was not too long before that, not even a year that I decided I was going to stop trying for a sibling. And so it really hit home. And I had told my sister beforehand that we were going to try for a sibling. And I was getting ready physically for it, getting my tests done for hypothyroidism and checking my hormone levels and such and stuff. Yada, yada, yada. And so that was really hard, really, really hard time. And that was just only a couple of years ago, you guys, like two and a half years ago. And so... The jealousy is very hard to overcome. 
But what I need you guys to know, what I need you to know, friend, is that jealousy is completely and utterly normal. Okay. It is a normal emotion that you experience when someone seemingly or has what you desire and that you cannot attain at the moment for yourself. But knowing how to identify, recognize, and consciously be aware of that emotion and then checking yourself and putting yourself in check while simultaneously allowing yourself to just be is very difficult. But it takes practice like anything else. It takes practice and it does not happen overnight to overcome that feeling and to decrease the sting of jealousy in comparison. And again, we live in a patriarchal society. And so oftentimes we are taught and indoctrinated into comparison and competitiveness. And you will struggle if you don't learn to control that emotion of jealousy and comparison. If you do not consciously check yourself before you wreck yourself. A chickadee, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Some of y'all may be too young for that song, okay? That came out when I was little, like Omar's age. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, okay? Because if not, you will become angry, which is also okay. But you have to check yourself so that you do not stay there. Because how can we be better humans if we're constantly allowing the emotions that are negative to arise, but not researching or getting the help that we need to grow through, not move through necessarily. Sometimes you will have to move through it in that moment, but to grow through those negative emotions and learn how to snap it back and get yourself back into that high vibrational energy of who you are. And overall, friends, Infertility is a highly complex, nuanced, and emotionally charged issue that leaves all of us, literally all of us, feeling like we are invisible, both to ourselves and to others. What I would implore anyone watching today, if you know someone who is struggling with fertility issues and infertility, society as a whole, it is essential for our friends in society to foster a greater level of empathy, compassion, and support for those of us who are the one in six, or maybe even the one in four, and definitely those who are childless, not by choice, by circumstance, okay? And creating more inclusive and um, understanding environments for individuals and couples along their path to parenthood through fertility and educate your damn self. Okay. I can't give you all the answers, nor can anyone that you may know struggling with infertility or if you are struggling with infertility, of course, if you're listening, you probably are or have or know someone. It is important that we continue to educate one another, bring awareness where we can and I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out there and advocate because it's not everybody's calling and purpose to advocate in the way that I do or at all. That's not everybody's calling. 
but you could definitely direct them on over here to the Infertility Man podcast and they can get educated on the subject. Okay. And that's all I have for today, y'all. I just need you to know that your infertility is not invisible to me. And I understand your pain. And I know exactly how you're feeling. And there is someone out there rooting for you. And that someone is me. Until next time, friends, y'all know where to find me on the gram, right? Infertility and Me podcast. You can watch this episode if you're listening on audio on YouTube, Infertility and Me podcast there as well. And if you don't want to do the work of searching in YouTube, you can just go right on, you know, on Instagram and click the link in the bio and tap. Okay, it'll bring you right to YouTube and you can subscribe so you can get more episodes. We got some episodes coming out with friends that are going to be sharing their stories and their journeys and hopes to uh, make you feel more comforted, validated, seen, heard. Okay, because none of us need to be out here silently suffering. Love y'all. Peace and blessings.